and welcome back to Atapec Energy Dialogues, a series of conversations we're bringing you in the run-up to Atapec 2020, taking place this November. And I'm just delighted to be joined today by Heather Wilcott, who is the manager of Digital Upstream for Imperial Oil. Uh, Heather, welcome to Energy Dialogues. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's uh, great to be here. I'm honored to be a part of this. Now, you've had a terrific uh, background. In fact, you and I were speaking earlier about the importance of, of uh, individuals from the business taking a leadership role in, in uh, guiding the, the path forward on digital. You're a processing chemical engineer. You've had a variety of roles in, in the oil industry. Um, maybe you could just sketch it just a little bit about a bit about your background for us. Sure. Yeah, I actually I have a master's degree in chemical engineering and I've worked for Imperial for uh, 22 years this year um, and as you said in a variety of engineering roles including chemical and process engineering but also in our operations integrity and safety teams as well and um, I have a you know a diverse background including project execution um, that really allows me um, a firm base in understanding where the opportunity spaces are for digital and I, and I think that's a key to success in digital teams is understanding what are the, the real problems to attack versus what are the cool technologies to apply. So let's first uh, turn immediately to what's been your experience uh, so far in implementing digital change uh, through um, what is um, a, a fairly large and sophisticated organization like Imperial Oil. Um, you know, like we talked about before, really, it's a journey. Um, we, we started about two and a half years ago down this path, trying to build a digital team. And, and, and truthfully, when I started in this role, I didn't know what digital was. You know, I got a new role that you're the digital manager and, you know, figure out what that means and what we should be working on. And so we've been going down a, a journey and learning as we go. Um, and there's been, you know, a spectrum of, of how people receive digital technology from you know, early adopters and, and keen users of new technology to those who are who are embedded in the way that things have always been. And so all of us together are going down this journey of applying new technologies to our business problems. Which raises uh, the question um, in my mind is, is if we're on a journey, how long will the journey be? Is this a sort of once and done thing like turning on a new capital asset or is this something that's likely to you know be a bit longer in, in terms of its timeline i think it's a forever journey it's 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 a change in the way that we do our work so digital is an enabler of, of how we achieve our business goals so so the journey can't stop i mean unless our business goals stop so we keep on learning and applying the new technology and new innovations to get um, better business results so uh, i think be foolish to say that it ever ends it will morph I think into maybe right now it's a very carved off piece of scope given to a specific but in the future I think it'll be just more embedded in, in the way that we work all the time in every group and so like any journey you have to start somewhere uh, what uh, I mean how, how how do you get started in something like this so, so we started the journey with some help from management consulting and helping us to set up kind of a, a team and an operating model and kind of get our first set of um, digital opportunities in the hopper. And, and we, we appreciated that help from, from management consultants uh, um, to get us kind of on uh, going, you know, get, get us started. But then we really took the ball and have been rolling with it. So, so they helped us to set up 
you know, what are the key components of your operating model? How do you execute digital projects? How's that different than executing, you know, a traditional waterfall capital project? And, and it is definitely different. And so we've learned those basics and then, and then we've been learning from our experiences as we go through. Earlier on, you mentioned that uh, there is a, a, a lots of opportunity out there. I'd like, to, I'd like to really turn the question now to how you discern between uh, noise and substance in digital. Mm -hmm. we're, we're almost bombarded constantly with, with stories about digital. So how, how do you discern in oil and gas between what's real and what's not? And that, that's a hard question. I mean, um, when I started in this role, I, I felt that I felt that pressure of, of every vendor um, and every big IT company coming to us telling us they had, you know, this wonderful platform and this wonderful team that could do everything for us and they were good at everything. And we should deploy all these technologies and and it's very hard to know um, which ones are the good ones and which ones are, are, are not. Um, and I think you just have to do it gradually and, and learn. But the, the key, I think, in all of that is, is to, to take small steps um, and also to really get back to the foundation of, of you're trying to solve a business problem. You're not trying to deploy a new technology or a massive platform. Um, you really want to take a baby step into that digital realm of how can I make this one process better? You know, how can I learn more from my data? Um, you know, look to your business problems and your business goals first and then decide what's the smallest step you could take to to get towards those those uh, goals and in that in the course of that journey are you finding uh, that the there are any skeptics in the business are people still skeptical about the potential here or is the world largely been won over i think everyone's a skeptic until they see it for themselves um, including myself right i mean um, you know, we're, we're probably known to be a conservative company and, and historically we've been kind of um, not wanting to be first um, to apply a new technology. And we've changed our, our, our attitude towards that. We do wanna be first on some of these things, but we wanna um, manage our risk as well. So um, there's so much opportunity out there to just apply existing technologies um, that you don't really have to step way out there to make to make an impactful move in in your business goals. Um, so there's no easy answer to which one's snake oil, which one's the good stuff. But I think you just have to ask a lot of questions and ask for examples um, of you know where has the technology been applied? Show me um, and and internally show me becomes a very strong and powerful tool and accelerator. Once you can show a small success, you get a lot more um, enthusiasm and pull for the next success, right? Mm. Are the digital programs that, the, the, uh, therefore, um, as they kind of start off, are they, uh, by definition, smaller and more contained um, so that, that, you know, you, you wait till you see the results? Is that, is that the approach that, that seems to pay off? I think it is. I think you know, if you listen to a lot of the hype and, and even, um, you know, it's good to have a long-term vision and a moonshot and where do you want to go, um, but you can't get there in one step. And so um, in order to get traction and keep the ball moving, you have to take a small piece and get a small win. Um, so, but you can't only take incremental small wins. You know, some things need to be bigger, um, bigger goals and bigger visions. Um, 
So it's kind of a mix, you know, how do you mix the small wins to get the momentum and get the hearts and minds of all the people bought in, but how do you not just incrementalize yourself to, you know, very small gains, right? Um, so it's a, it's a mixture, I think. Mm. Have you taken any lessons away from, you know, this, this uh, journey that you've been on that, that really stand out for you? Um, yeah, we've had a, a few lessons. I mean, um, I think the concept of agile and the concept of, of digital transformation, a lot of people talk about um, fail fast. Um, and I would say we embrace that concept, but we're not yet great at it. We, you know, the, the black and white of fail fast is, is harder to see when you're in it. Um, you, you think you've started with a small piece, you've applied your agile, you're going through your, your um, you know, your two week sprints. Um, the problem with that is knowing when to stop because it's not typically like you get, oh, two weeks into it, nope, it's not gonna work. It's more like, well, just another two weeks, just another two weeks, just another two weeks. And so knowing when to say, I could keep going on this and I could find success, but I might be better off to spend my time and my resources on something that's more certain and has more probability of success. That's, that's been a learning for us that we're still learning. You know, how do you, how and when do you stop something um, to, to shift to something that's got a, a higher probability of success and, and rapid business gains? There have been any projects so far that have been particularly impactful that you've noted that, that kind of delivered results that are, are surprising or even beyond what you may have anticipated before you, you, you went into them? Yeah, actually, I mean, one of the first projects we embarked on was a, a project um, to, to provide workforce visibility for our, our maintenance uh, workforce, our trade workforce. Um, to be able to see that real-time visibility of, of the demand and the supply at the same time and then make sure that we're matching those two together that we're um, that we don't have excess resource um, on our site and that we're making the most out of our um, maintenance budget and um, that project started out with you know thinking it was a small win and it actually turned out to be one of our biggest wins and it wasn't complicated um, of technology it was just you know getting the data and making the data visible. And that allowed us to make some very important decisions about managing our, our costs. Um, that one's been a huge win for us. And, and in fact, our, our maintenance effectiveness portfolio has been one of our um, best successes since we started down this journey. Um, because each of the things we've done, we've been able to layer on top of that. So, you know, we did some work on our workforce visibility tool. We then developed um, a tool to do schedule optimization. Um, yeah to help us um, minimize wasted resource and, um, and minimize risk um, to get the optimal workforce and get all of our work done that needs to get done in the right time. Those things layered upon each other um, have really compounded the benefit um, to optimizing our maintenance costs. And what was the scale of maintenance um, activities that that you know would call would would drive you in this direction? Is it hundreds of tasks, thousands of tasks? What what was the what's yeah, the scale I mean, of this? So our our um, at our curl site, we have a very large site and a very large um, maintenance workforce and and a very large amount of of PM maintenance for a mine. Um, mm. So. The large workforce and the large maintenance that we have results in us having in the order of 50,000 tasks a week to schedule. And 
Um, it's just ripe for digital technology. We can't, a human can't possibly optimize 50,000 tasks. And so we used, you know, mathematical optimization models and constraint-based modeling to get the right schedule and optimize the, you know, 50 plus trades on site with all of those tasks and, and optimize the use of those, of that labor workforce. Um, that's been a huge success for us and we're going to um, deploy that same kind of optimization model in, in other scheduling arenas such as our shutdown planning and potentially our project um, schedules as well. And just thinking about the Curl site too, I, I mean it's, it's distant from any, uh, even from Fort McMurray which is probably the closest uh, location. So there's this, this enormous mobilization challenge just to yeah. move the maintenance teams to and from the site. Uh, does that factor into some of the benefit savings here as you just manage even, even, even the mobilization costs are, are, are uh, in a much better position? Yeah, I mean, as a whole, maintenance is a big part of our, our operating expenditures. And so, you know, our focus in the last year or two has been minimizing our expenditures. And this is a key opportunity area for us. So everything we can do to minimize the amount of people at site, minimize the risk, uh, minimize the travel, um, ultimately helps us reduce the overall costs, right? And, and of course the costs, you know, it's multiplicative because, you know, you'll have workers, which means you have to have supervisors. Um, and so, um, yeah, the more work you can minimize and optimize, the, the bigger the benefit to the bottom line. Bigger the prize, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it sounds like you've, as you've gone down through this uh, digital, digital journey and you have sorted through um, where the opportunities are, I, I'm, I'm sure a handful of technologies continue to bubble up to the top as being this sort of this platform set that around which your, you know, the, these journeys tend to take place. I wonder if you could sketch out just at a high level what, what, what's in that basket of critical technologies that just over and over again continue to surface as the, the, the basis for a digital journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's a, there is a handful and I probably first and foremost is our data, you know, um, a big, huge piece of, of digital is the foundation, right? Your data and your connectivity are what allow you to do so many other things, um, um, layer on analytics um, and make better decisions. So, so a big part of, of what's been successful for us is being able to connect our data. We built a data lake um, and so we're now able to connect data sets that we weren't easily able um, to connect before. So data, big data, cloud technology um, is key to our success. And then, you know, layering onto that um, analytics and um, artificial intelligence are, you know, everyone talks about machine learning. That's just one small component, I think, of, of digital technologies, but a very important one, you know, taking that data and making, um, you know, analyzing it and using it to make better decisions is, is key in optimizing the use of our um, existing assets and our, our people. So, so those two for sure. I mean, if I move, you know, down the road, there's a few other key technologies that we've been um, seeing repeatedly. Um, one is, you know, connected workers and connected equipment. Um, again, those are another part of the, what I would consider to be foundation, you know, knowing where your people are for safety reasons, productivity reasons, knowing where your equipment and your tools are for the same kind of reasons can then open up the arena for things like um, route optimization um, and all kinds of safety and emergency response applications. 
Um, and a lot of that is, is hinges on your um, connectivity as well, right? So, you know, at our sites, we're lucky to have um, enabled a pervasive LTE at our sites, and we have very good fiber connectivity as well at our sites. So those are key kind of critical foundation layers. Some of the other um, technologies that we see over and over are, um, we see digital twin and 3D scan um, as some key technologies that we are now exploring. Those things can enable us to do um, remote engineering. And, and as you mentioned, you know, our curl site is not um, nearby. And so the less people we mobilize to site, the lower our costs and the lower our risks are. So if we can do remote engineering and remote maintenance planning, um, digital twin and 3D scans enable us to do some of that stuff. Um, some other key technologies that we see are um, um, automation and robotics and UAVs. Um, kind of those three together, first and foremost, can remove people from hazardous locations and situations. Um, if you think about UAVs, even in vessel inspections, you know, we don't have to scaffold up inside of a, a big vessel and, and risk people's safety. We can go in and look with a drone and see where we need to scaffold before we ever build a bunch of scaffolds. Um, and then, of course, autonomous haul trucks are um, the key technology we've deployed up at our, our curl site. Again, removing people out of uh, hazardous situations. And robotics, I think, you know, we're, we're going there a little, but I think it's going to be a key technology in the future. And there's all sorts of interesting technologies in, in those areas. Um, we've seen, you know, spot from Boston Dynamics or things like um, robotic refueling of trucks are one of the things that we've been looking into. So th those are a few of, of the key technologies that, that we see occurring over and over. Um, but, but, you know, really the data and the connectivity, the foundational things are kind of key starting points to get the other things layered on. I think the, the notion of in, in a remote site, a pervasive um, purpose-built network that, that gives you the ability to connect workers, things, uh, equipment, and provide that, that uh, visibility is, is, uh, is a great, great starting point for, for a uh, scenario like yours. Yep, and, and a lot of people will talk about you know, the foundational part of, of digital technology and, and digital transformation being those foundational layers. Um, and I think the part that sometimes gets forgotten is that people are also sensors, right? Um, so your people is like a, connecting a sensor. So your people are giving, you know, insights that other sensors don't give, you know, ha um, hazard observations, for example, that's a people sensor. And if that's connected real time into your system, you have real time hazard information. Yeah, finding ways to capture that is 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 the key. Like, how do you capture a uh, you know a human-centered uh, piece of information or insight? You know, to pho photograph with a phone, I per perhaps. Yeah, and, and all of that depends on you being able to connect. Quite right. Is there an, an additive effect uh, that you may have noted? Or so, so say in the, in the scenario where you uh, apply um, more than one technology in some sort of a, in some sort of structured fashion to tackle a, a specific business problem, does it yield a bigger benefit than just um, say deploying a, a single technology at a time? Have you have you noticed any any of that phenomenon happening? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, just to give an example, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of layering technology because if I give the example of, of um, mobility, you know, we deployed tablets to our um, workers at the at the work front 
um, so that they could have access to whatever tools they need to at the work front. Um, so that in itself is probably, if you were to quantify the value, people would talk about it in terms of, I saved you know, 20 minutes from not having to drive back to the office. Um, but, but the real benefit is much bigger than that. So if you can now get those people connected at their work front and give them the tools that they need, like their work orders, like their um, hazard assessments, um, all those things, um, or like their prioritization of which site to go to and their algorithms that tell them how to optimize the well that they're going to. If they can have those right at their work front, now you've made them more productive, um, not just in time savings, but you've enabled them to get more production um, faster for, for the company. And so that layering then you know, takes those foundational time savers and, and amplifies their value to now production addition, right? Production optimization. It adds, I love this notion of layering on top. It's, it's uh, get the foundation right, layers and layers. And of course, you're learning as you go. And, and, um, and you know, it's not, it's not, you're not once and done. You're, it's, it's a journey. But, you know, this raises uh, right away this, uh, to me, this question of the impact that this is having on talent and people. Because this, these technologies are, they're, they're new. Uh, they change quite quickly. The oil and gas industry is uh, well known for its high focus on reliability and safety, which means you don't change it that quickly. But I wonder if we could turn the discussion to how you see the, 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 the what, what is the implications for this on, on talent? Yeah, I think um, probably a few things. One is um, internal talent. Um, I think everybody needs to upskill, you know, including me and including our leadership, right? we're trying to go down a transformational path. And if, if everybody doesn't know what that means and what the technologies are that can help us, it's probably not gonna succeed. So you need kind of a vast um, inspiration and urgency setting in your organization. So everybody needs to kind of up their playing level to understand how can digital enable my business goals. That's kind of key um, to start with. But then if you want to execute some digital projects, you do need the right skills to do that. and um, you know, data science is one that, that we recognize right off the start with some advice from our management consultants. Um, and we recognize that we needed that locally. We needed the data scientists to sit with our working teams and to be able to look at the data with those subject matter experts and, and gain those insights and look for those opportunities. That's, that's been key, bringing in data scientists to our organization. Um, but I, I think the other um, skill set that we've leveraged a lot in our team is um, the IT side of um, software development. Um, and I don't think we recognized um, the importance and the criticality of building that skill internally. Um, traditionally, we've been kind of a, an IT team that, that builds and standardizes or buys and standardizes. And now we're starting to build custom tools. And so we need that skill set that we haven't been developing over the years. And so we need developers. And then I mentioned that data is critical to all of this. And the other key piece of that is, you know, your data architects and your system architects, solution architects, that is a critical skill set that, um, that we have to have. And we have some great people internally, but I would say we need even more of that skill set. And you need people with modern skills, right? People who understand the cloud platforms and, and how to, you know, connect your data with those cloud platforms and how to connect all your applications that you need to be connecting. So, so those kind of software development and data management skill sets are other critical pieces that 
it can't be um, underestimated, I would say, in a digital journey. Uh, you, you mentioned data, uh, data sciences and data, as, as, and, and data, of course, is a critical foundational element. And are you finding data scientists are now more attracted to oil and gas because of the, the kinds of challenges that the industry faces? I mean, Calgary was, as one example, as a city with um, uh, lots of oil companies, was reporting significant shortages of data science skills yeah. at one point. Yeah, and when we started this journey, we, we anticipated that data scientists would be the hardest of the resources to attract because of the, the competition from, from other players. Um, but we haven't experienced that in reality. We have some really great data scientists um, and, and they love the problems that we have. And I think the other thing they love is we have so much data. Um, now, we have to get that data together and they have to do a lot of data wrangling, but, but they love that we have so much data and such interesting problems. So, so I think that's been um, a positive outcome of our, of our journey because um, we've been able to get some great data scientists into our team. Uh, of course, we can't uh, uh, really discuss the, the world today without at least touching on the pandemic and the impacts that the pandemic has been having on oil and gas. The obvious, of course, is moving people out of, out of office to their home setting uh, when the pandemic first got started. But, you know, as you cast your mind forward, um, and, and uh, what, what, what do you see as the impacts of the pandemic, both in the short term and, and then as you sort of look out further what what might the what might the effects be of the pandemic on oil and, ga oil and gas um i guess I, there is a positive outcome of us having to um, change the way we work is we realize we can change the way we work um uh, you know a big part of digital adoption is the people and the process right not just the technology right so people accepting change and accepting doing things a different way um, I think people realize we can, and it's not so hard, you know, prior to the pandemic, a lot of the, um, you know, deployment of new technology or changing a work process was, well, no, we can't do that. We've always done it this way. Well, we're, we want to baby step our way into that. And, and all of a sudden we had to take giant leap into doing things remotely. Um, and we did, and it was fine. Um, and so I think that's a really good realization for people is it's okay to take a giant leap and do things differently we can make it work if we have to. And, and I think I, I gave you an example the other day when we chatted about our, our control room. Oh. We built the capability to um, support our curl control center from Calgary. And um, we used that capability during the wildfires a few years back. Um, and we had it ready for if we needed emergency support. Um, and we slowly were moving some non-critical um, control um, technicians to Calgary to do some work remotely, um, but we never took that giant leap um, until the pandemic. And, and for six months now, we've been running one of our curl control rooms from Calgary and it's been fine, right? And, and so it's been great to make us, force us to take that giant leap and change the way we work and realize that we can, we can make it happen. Let's uh, wrap up with just some concluding thoughts, if you don't mind, on uh, uh, your, your, uh, your, your notions and your observations about this, this, digital, this digital journey. The, the biggest conclusion I have um, is that it's, it's no longer optional. If you want to remain competitive in this um, business environment, you have to adopt digital technology. Um, and really, it's just to improve your business results. You know, when, I, when people ask me, what's the definition of 
of digital. Why do I want to do digital? I'm applying technology to enable and to make my existing assets and people more efficient and effective and productive. It's really that. How do I make my people into superhumans? And how do I make my assets and my equipment into well-oiled machines? You know, everything optimized and getting the most out of all of the assets that I have, including the people. And it's just no longer optional if you want to be competitive in today's world. Heather, thank you very much for coming on Energy Dialogues today and sharing with us the journey that you and your company has been on in uh, this uh, uh, drive to digitize the industry. Thank you, Jeffrey, for having me. And um, thanks for all your education over the past few years as well. This has been another episode of Energy Dialogues. Uh, tune in again in the coming weeks for further conversations with industry leaders and analysts as uh, in the run-up to ADAPEC 2020. And bye for now.